0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: Hey, everyone, it is so good to have you with us for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright. I am the host, and along with me is the expert, Dr. Michael Gurian. And uh, every question that comes to your mind about anything, anything in the world, Michael can answer for you. That's <laughs> how smart this guy is. uh But we're going to keep it focused on parenting. Uh, just to make things easier. And it's a good thing, too, because we've got a great question from one of our parents today. And uh, I know it's going to be one that uh, many of you will be interested in. In fact, my wife asked me, what are the topics for today? And when I told her this question, she said, wow, I'll be interested to hear what Michael says about it. So this is a good question. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to it, however, uh, I do want to bring Michael in. And, uh, Michael, we are able to come to our folks each week because of our sponsors. So tell us a little bit about the Forge School.
2: Yes, many thanks to the Forge School. Uh, it's in Tennessee, Benton, Tennessee, and it's on 55 acres. It's a residential treatment for boys 14 to 17. Uh, so um, so it's residential, so they live there. A great staff, a great team. I have visited the school, um, trained the staff, and learned from them. I mean, they're just really great. So if anyone is listening to this and knows of a 14 to 17-year-old boy who's having issues, um, depression, anxiety, uh, other, other brain disorders, behavioral issues. you know, uh, look up the Forge school and you can find it on uh, com.
1: And as always, we want to thank our sponsors up in the Seattle area as well. Dr. Greg Jantz and the Center of Place of Hope. In fact, we uh, both got an email from him today the day that we're recording. And uh, he just wanted to say how much he appreciates this show and, and uh, how much he appreciates being a sponsor. We're so glad that they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has been with us for a few years now. And uh, Greg has so many resources for you in terms of books that he's written and the clinic that he runs as well as one of the most respected in the country. So if you ever need anything from them, just go to wonderofparenting.com. wonderofparenting.com. There's a link there to the Center, A Place of Hope. And we encourage you to check it out. Also on our website is a place for you to submit a question. And uh, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, most of the episodes we do have to do with listeners' questions. And uh, that's really the fuel for this show. So if you've got a question for us, please feel free to submit that to us. We will get to you as soon as we can. Uh, I want to take today's question, however, from our Facebook page. We have a Facebook group. It's the Wonder of Parenting group, and you can join. Uh, j- just do a search of the name and, and then uh, hit um, the, the little button there to get in, and then we'll allow you in. And normally, uh, when questions are posted on our Facebook page, we just let you parents have at it. Uh, but every once in a while, there'll be a question that really seems to, to gain a lot of momentum, has a lot of energy behind it, and this is one of them. And I think of all the questions we've had, uh, this has had the most interest uh, over the last several months. And uh, so I want to share it with you, and it's probably one that many parents, particularly parents of boys, have struggled with. And so here's the question. Do you tell your child to hit back when someone hits them? This morning, my three-year-old hit my five-year-old. He cried. I could hear my husband say, hit him back. I would. (laughs) And my (laughs) seven-year-old says, you can't hit people back. And my husband says, you shouldn't, but I still would. (laughs) My kids are all boys. I love that. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, We definitely let kids figure out uh, on their own uh, most of the time, at least until it becomes dangerous. Sometimes we feel child number two doesn't stick up for himself enough and takes it from the three-year-old I'm torn between letting them fight it out and ignoring or telling a grown-up I should add that they know not to hit in school I grew up with four brothers and my dad used to always say if someone hit you then uh, you hit them back and my mother says you never hit people <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just prayed no one would ever hit me so I didn't have to decide lol um, I've heard on the podcast to stop it once it gets dangerous or violent. I know the difference between violence and aggression. Thank you, Tim Wright and Michael Gurian. But how do we teach our kids that, especially at such a young age? So, uh, Michael, I think there's a lot mm. of things going on here. There's sort of a, a male-female thing going on here. Of course, there's hitting, boy energy. Um, and I, start wherever you want to start.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I, I think over the, the last, uh, what is it, three-plus three decades, um, I've been getting this question, uh, at least in the top 10, you know, uh, because it's, because we have to confront it. If we're, if we're dealing with boy energy, um, you know, and I've even told stories of my girls hitting each other, right. When yep. they were growing up, I mean, obviously every child can hit. And then, especially in the context here of boy energy, uh, you know, hitting's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So I, I would say a few things, first of all, um, I think this family is, is just doing great. You know, <laughs> one thing I love about it is it's by strategic parenting. Um, you know, just like, just like her parents were one said one thing and one said the other, um, one said, yes, you should hit. And the other says, no, you should never hit. And, and that's okay. Uh, that's what we call by strategic parenting. And it's actually a good thing. You get different strategies from each the, um, uh, and then kids can use them in different contexts. The, I myself am not anti-hitting, but I think another thing they're doing smartly is by saying, now, yeah, in our sibling society here, you guys hit each other, but you can't do it in school because you'll get kicked out of school. So that's really smart. And we all know that some of the stuff that exists in school doesn't exist in our sibling societies, right? We let our kids do all sorts of stuff, um, especially after one has had more than one child, especially when you get to two kids, then three kids, then four kids, you you know, you just don't have enough bandwidth to intervene all the time. So they're doing all this stuff. But if they do it at school, obviously bad, that's going to get them in trouble. So that's another smart thing I love about what this family is doing, teaching that there are different rules in different places and respect those rules. Then in terms of the hitting itself, I have no problem with kids uh, hitting each other in the context that she has mentioned here, which is they always stop it if it becomes dangerous and they stop it if it becomes violent. And and as she said, and as some of our listeners know, we work with a difference between violence and aggression. Violence is trying to destroy someone else. Um, aggression is ultimately nurturing. It's a challenge behavior. And um, one organism, one child, is challenging the other. And, and it builds resilience. And it requires the other to challenge back. And that's very nurturing because of the building of resilience. And all sorts of frontal lobe skills, all sorts of good things actually come from this kind of sibling hitting um uh but we got to watch for it become dangerous we got to watch for it becoming a power pattern where you know it's always one child hitting another child okay that's you know that's moving into the probably bullying range but in this context um it it would seem it seems okay to me uh and the last thing i would say is the three-year-old hitting the five-year-old and the five-year-old the middle child not hitting back so part of part of why he's probably not hitting back. Um, we don't know the size differential, but there's at least an age differential. And, um, you know, he himself may be sort of worried that if he hits back, he's gonna do damage uh, mm. to the three-year-old and then get in trouble. And so his his frontal lobe is trying to, you know, piece that together. Um, and, and ultimately, I think at some point he will have to hit this three-year-old back, um, but not in a violent way. Another strategy that the parents could give him is to have him just walk away. As soon as the three-year-old hits him, he just walks away. I'm done with that. I'm not going to play with you. Uh, That also could help train the three-year-old if the three-year-old is persistently hitting the five-year-old, could train the three-year-old away from that behavior because the three-year-old doesn't want his his brother to isolate from him. Um, So I, I know I said a lot there, but ultimately the overarching concept I would give to listeners is hitting per se is not what we used to say it was, you know, in the field of psychology. We used to say, never hit. Anytime you hit, it's bad and it's violent. We now understand this kind of sibling behavior and it's not necessarily violent.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic,
2: an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover
0: Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith,
2: co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
1: So I, I want to start, because you mentioned bi-strategic parenting, and I don't think that we can really emphasize that enough. Um, and I, I don't want to get into stereotypes, but in both of these stories, uh, the husband is saying, hit back, and mom is saying, don't. And then uh, for the writer's parents, dad was saying, hit back, and the mom was saying, don't. Um, is there is there a tendency for, for males to be... Uh, more permissive uh, permission giving in hitting than, say females. Would females be yeah. more of let's work this out with our words, for example?
2: Oh yeah. yeah, in general, we, we don't as, as everyone knows, we don't stereotype, we look at biological trends. So the biological trend uh, is for males to use this this hitting behavior more just for all the reasons we've talked about on these shows, how much more spatial males are, how much more testosterone they have, you know, just across the board and all over the world, the biological tendency is for males to do that more than females. So then, um, uh, and it's part of how males build resilience in others, and how they build resilience in themselves. Even when, you know, males are hit, they, if they're hit really hard, they're going to cry, but quite often, they're going to they're going to uh try to develop a resilience response which is oh that's okay you know I'll hit back it didn't hurt me much what that is is a resilience response and it's it's partly wired into the way they're set up and of course there's socialization always involved but it starts in biology so so yes we have a biological trend for fathers for grandfathers for men to uh as you said give more permission for hitting behavior um than than women and we want to remember that they're that biological trend makes great sense for women. They're more oxytocin, bonding chemical. They have more nerve fibers in the skin. They take in, um, you know, more more pain. They experience more pain. And so, of course, you know, they're gonna, from a biological trend point of view, they're gonna say, well, let's not cause pain. <laughs> you know, I don't like that pain. I don't want you to have that pain. And, and that's why it's so good that we're bi-strategic. Uh, the parents are bi-strategic and multi-strategic because you get the best of, of, of mom in, in in this case. You're right, both these cases. Every once in a while, there's no doubt, you're going to have a dad out there who's going to say, never hit. And you're going to have a mom, especially if she was raised with brothers, you know, who might say to the sons, now go ahead, you, know, you can hit. So that absolutely will happen. We know that. But in terms of the biological trend, I think that it's great that kids get both of these trends. And that's what we call bi-strategic And then of course their multi-strategic would be well what would grandma say about it what would grandpa say about it there's all sorts of strategies that these kids are getting from their family and extended family to handle their emotions and their social emotional development and hitting and fighting is is part of social emotional development
1: so we've talked in the past on this uh podcast about the difference in the way that boys can access words and emotions and girls access words and emotions Mm -hmm. and that oftentimes when boys are in stress they need to act out rather than talk out um is hitting a part of that
2: yeah that's one of those brain differences because so so let's say something happens between these brothers um and they it triggers some emotion in the three-year-old the the three-year-old the that amygdala you know gets um swells up fills with blood flow and for males and again let's say the same thing happens with a female amygdala swells up for males the the uh, blood flow goes down it goes down into the brain stem males have more spinal fluid in the brain stem than females um, the cerebellum's right above the brain stem so this, the electricity goes down to the cerebellum, which is a do, the doing center of the brain, then it goes into the brain stem, which sends it into the body, right, so that all those electrical charges are going into the body. And then for females, um, amygdala swells up, she's having an emotion, uh, the signaling mainly goes up, so it goes up into the top of her brain where word centers are, where executive function is, where impulse control is, where self-regulation is. So. So this is why this is, as you smartly pointed out, another one of the brain differences that creates this trend. So males more likely to somaticize it in their bodies for their bodies to do something with that emotion. Females more likely to move it more quickly to words. Now, at a certain point, males can use words. We obviously know a lot of females can move it into their bodies. So so anything can happen. But um, that is another root of why you see males more physically discharging their emotions, and you see females more verbally discharging their emotions.
1: Now, now I, I really appreciate hearing you say that this helps boys—we're uh, talking about boys specifically—build resilience. Is this also one of the ways that boys bond with each other?
2: Right, they do. And we want to say, remember, this helps girls build resilience too. I mean, it's not uh, uh, it's not just boys. It's just that here we have a family of three boys. But my daughter's used to hit each other in the back seat and right. I've told that story before and they were building resilience in each other you know so anyone can build resilience through this kind of sibling hitting um yeah and in the terms of these brothers they are also bonding um they they we do bond physically guys often are bonding more physically than perhaps moms realize or women realize because we're kind of set up differently guys Often don't need very many words in order to bond with another guy. Um, words can come later, but they're bonding through doing games together, being physical with each other, wrestling, rough and tumble play um, uh, that are not as verbal in, for a lot of boys. But they're still bonding. So then the fighting, the fighting is can be part of the bonding, and it definitely is, as every you know family of three boys knows. There is it is part of the bonding. Um, ha- however the boys are going to watch for it and the parents are going to watch for it when it actually impedes the bonding if the right. you know if the 3 year old just is hitting all the time that's now going to start to distance the 5 year old and so that's why i would rather see the 5 year old use the distancing strategy now retrain the 3 year old and then they can you know their bond can continue
1: Uh, This is going to be a little bit off topic, and then we'll get back to the topic. What about um, boys, girls, and hitting back? Say a girl hits you, and you're a boy. Uh, Yeah. You know, we've been raised in our society, never hit a girl. Seems to get a little dicey.
2: Yeah, that's a really difficult one. And families with, um, you know, with both sex children, boys and girls. Um, have certainly had to deal with this or may- maybe I'm gonna say certainly that's generalization, but probably had to deal with this. So again, every parent is gonna give their strategies to the child. Um, some parents are gonna say, hey, your sex doesn't matter, you know? If he hit you, he's saying this to a girl, you you hit him back, you know, and vice versa. Um, some parents are gonna say, well, let's let's use this as a way to teach males, how to control, so how to self-regulate, right? How to control yeah. their aggression. And one of the ways we're gonna teach them to control it is we're gonna teach them to never hit a girl. Um, I, 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 I think either of those are fine. Um, I think that you know that some of it works itself out organically based on size, on muscle mass. Um, uh, if there's a differential, you know, you have a little girl and a big boy and there's a differential, which could cause harm to the little girl. That organically works it out. Parents are not going to allow the boy to hit the girl. But if you have, <clears throat> let's say, you're you're the boy is 11, the girl is 12. She by now maybe you know much more developed than the 11 year old physically, right? Because he hasn't really hit puberty yet and gotten bigger. So now here there isn't much of a power differential, and maybe the families now will say, okay, I don't see harm. You know, and so uh, they're hitting each other. The boy's hitting the girl. The girl's hitting the boy. It's okay because there isn't this muscle mass or this big power differential. So I think families organically make decisions about it. Um, I I. You know, I, maybe because I'm old fashioned, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm from, a pre, you know, 62 years old, I was so locked into my brain when I was growing up, that a male never hit a female. And that was such a key component of masculinity training. Uh, you know, that masculinity means you do not hit females, right. And so I cannot conceive of a way in which I would do it. And in which I would tell my son, if I, you know, if I had a son to hit my daughter but you know the newer generation um, may be uh, i just think we got to you got to watch for power differentials you got to you know biology first <laughs> so if he's much bigger or there's a power differential uh, don't allow it and then and again if you if someone asked me michael gurian i would say let's definitely teach our males to never hit a female um, mm-hmm. i don't think there's any data that really says if your brother Hit you. You're a girl. Your brother hit you. That then your brother is going to go on to be a domestic violence perpetrator. Right. There, there isn't that was like a kind of a popular myth. There isn't really data to support that. Um, yeah. And I just want to point out that that was kind of a pop myth because boys and girls and families they hit each other a lot. Sure.
1: Um, so to to get back to the question, then uh, she closes out with. Um, you know how do we teach our our boys in this case or our kids the difference between aggression and violence and and what are some of the things that parents should look for and encourage their kids to look for to help them not cross that line from aggression into violence
2: yeah i think the this three-year-old well to the first part of the question when they're older you can talk to them about it right uh, this three-year-old you could try talking to him, but I don't know where his brain development is. It might be hard for him to understand the distinction. So um, the five and seven-year-olds, you, you you could start the conversation with them. Uh, you know, violence is you're trying to destroy someone. Aggression and aggression nurturance is you doing rough and tumble stuff. You could get them starting to think about it at five and seven. Later, you can absolutely talk to them about it. Um, but in this age group, three and five, I think that the it's great to talk to them, but I think that that experientially, what what the parents should do is number one, keep being bi strategic. Um, uh, number two, keep keep showing them the difference between danger, and um, and nurturance. Just show it to them when they do it. And uh, you know if the uh, if the three year old kind of hits the five year old in a sort of nurturing way and the parents happen to be nearby, and then the five-year-old sort of pushes them back, and then they end up cuddling, that's great. A great time to show what aggression nurturance is, you know, and say, you know, look at that. Okay, that mm-hmm. that was that worked really well. And then in another case, when the three-year-old hits the five-year-old, and the five-year-old immediately isolates, just moves away. I'm not going to play with you. That's a great opportunity to say to the three-year-old, you see? You see? You can't do that. You can't do that, and then and that has to happen repetitively for the three-year-old. He's only three, so repetitively that message will get in his head, and he'll he will learn the difference between aggression, nurturance, and violence because his his sibling's going to train him, and his parents are going to point it out experientially. Uh, so I think that that's the best way to do it for this age group, right?
1: Which goes back to what you say all the time. You want to call out the behaviors you want uh, to build on, and you want to call out the behaviors that you uh, want to try to stop or change. And uh, to do it in the moment the best that you can.
2: Yeah, in the moment. These guys, yeah. even the five and seven-year-old, you know, they're not, they're, their brains are not constantly processing all those feelings. So it's better in the moment experientially to teach them. Um, it's not bad to talk to them about it the next day or something, but it's it's better in the moment right. uh, to point it out because they're such experiential learner, learners. Um. All all children are experiential learners, and um, and boys, young boys especially, because they don't have a lot of those frontal frontal lobe assets that girls have. So, they have to learn this stuff experientially.
1: All right. So you froze on me. So I'm hoping you're going to come back here in a second. Um. Oh, did and, I? Um, my last question for you was going to going to be uh, no. I, are you back? Oh yeah. Oh, did I? Did I go away? I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Well, you, that's all right. You 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 uh, just kind of blitzed out on us. But I noticed one time in our podcast, you blitzed out on us, and actually you were still talking. I just couldn't hear you, so it might have been my headphones. But oh. uh, here's my final kind of my final thought, uh, back to the strategic parenting. Um, you sort of have a, a whiplash situation for a boy where dad says, yeah, hit him back, and mom says, you never hit back. So even though the bi-strategic parenting is really good, how do parents navigate what seems to be a pretty black-and-white uh opposite end of the spectrum discussion uh how do parents find a a middle ground between you never hit back to you always hit back uh and yet want to bring these two values together of, of the importance of using words once in a while stepping back from violence how do parents navigate that
2: yeah yeah i think what happens organically is they sort of meet in the middle like the 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 father isn't i mean you could see it the father says hit him back i would and the other one says, you can't hit back. And then he says, well, you shouldn't, but I still would. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's like, he's moving to the middle. And then the mom, you know, the mom, just for bringing up this question, is moving a little to the middle, right? She's right. not she's not uh, criticizing or shaming the father as a bad father. She understands that this is bi-strategic, that they're doing right. it a different way. And and they're meeting in the middle. And that's what, that yeah, bi-strategic parenting doesn't mean you are at opposite poles, it means you have different parenting styles and some different parenting strategies, um, uh, and and uh, and you, you get to apply those. But you don't have to apply them at poles. You can apply them uh, by meeting in the middle. And when there's a value, now when there's a question of values, like, like one parent saying you can steal and the other parent saying you can't steal, okay, <laughs> right. that's not what we're talking about. We already assume that the family is teaching a set of basic values. So I, I, I'm glad you brought this up because I don't want listeners to think that I'm saying parents should teach different values. The bottom line is we're always teaching values, the, the same values. But these parenting styles, this is where we can be different and we just meet in the middle.
1: Yeah, and in the end, I, I think what, what I understand you to be saying, which is really helpful, is that uh, hitting back is a way for building resilience it is a way for building mutual respect and in the end that's really what we're trying to teach our kids is how to uh mutually respect each other and they do that in a variety of ways as they're growing up
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i think one of the things probably that may be somewhat unique about our podcast is that i i always lean and i think you and i are on the same page i'm leaning toward resilience building like when people are asking questions i'm 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 trying to meet the question where it is, and I'm trying to help them raise resilient children. Because ultimately, to, for me, resilience is a a uh, core element of maturation. And my goal as a parent, and my goal in this podcast is to help parents be able to raise mature adults, right? So that these people are adults by the time they're, you know, 18, 20, 22, 23, whenever it happens, they're adults. And so I lean, I do lean, I confess, toward resilience building, and um, and that's why I don't take the attitude toward hitting that. Let's say someone else would somewhere else right. in some other podcast, right. they would even see this and they would just immediately say, "No, this hurts someone. It's bad." And uh, and again, I see things differently since I'm so focused on resilience. For me, the science actually moves me towards saying you've got to have this kind of aggression nurturance if you're going to raise resilient kids. You just can't go too far. And so that's always my message.
1: Right, right. Good. Well, that that is so helpful. And uh, again, it, there were so many really good responses uh, on our Facebook page, which is Wonder of Parenting Group. And if you haven't joined it, you can do that. Just go to Facebook, look up Wonder Parenting and then hit the uh, join button and we'll get you in right away. And uh, there are questions posted there all the time and and uh, good discussions. Um, and uh, again, this was such a good question. We thought we'd we'd bring it to you. You can do you can also leave questions with us on our Wonder of Parenting uh, uh, page. It's wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. There is a submission form there and just fill it out. And Michael gets the question. He sends it on to me. I put it in the queue, and we get to it as soon as we possibly can. And again, your questions are the fuel uh, that keep this show going. So we thank you for the question. And Michael, thank you so much again for your insights. Looking forward to what you got for us again next week.
2: Oh, thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we hope that you will, if you enjoyed it, you share it with some friends. Thanks.